0: You're listening to Consolidate That. Welcome back to Consolidate That. Ivan, we have a very special guest today. You. Is it you? It's you. <laughs> is it me? It's one of us. We don't have a guest. Yeah. It's just the two of us, which is always fun. Excited to, to have a good chat with you today about some stuff. What we're going to talk about today is building on a blog post or an article that our that our team recently wrote called Veterinary Compensation Demystified, a Comprehensive Guide for Consolidators. So we're going to talk about some of the different compensation models that are out there in the industry right now and how that affects the veterinarians through production, how they look at their different... Uh, you know well-being, mental health, stability of their job and and all of those sort of things. How does that sound to you?
1: I love this topic, so let's let's dive in.
0: Well, why don't why don't you start by giving a little bit of uh, background about some of the different things that you've done. You know, you've worked in different veterinary hospitals and on some multiple different types of payment structures. What's uh, what's been something that's worked well for you and what are the different ones that you've seen in the industry? So
1: I, I think it would be good to start with just list those that we can sort of think about the the models, and then maybe uh, I'll push off that and and talk about what I what I've experienced. So, so the first one I think it's the most terrible one is a production based model with a negative accrual. It's when you have certain targets, and then when you don't meet those targets, you potentially actually owe money to the practice. So you need to you know hit certain numbers, and when you don't, then you know then you owe them money. Um, so that's one, and there's a,
0: f- anything that has negative, negative in the title for your payment yeah. plan is usually a bad, bad start.
1: Exactly. Yeah. And then, uh, and, and that reminds me of flavor of one that we've seen recently about the, uh, the vacation we were talking with one consolidator and they were talking about how they, we were helping to build, you know, their compensation strategy. They, they changed it thank God, but the, uh, the idea was that they set the targets. And then if, if you, for example, go on vacation, we were working through that scenario, then you kind of missing your targets by two weeks. If you went on two week vacation and then you simply have to catch up within that month and or that quarter. So, so it really, really demotivates you to take vacations. Um, which is a great way to burn out people. So Mm -hmm. (laughs) I thought that was a pretty strange way to, to do it, but they didn't, they didn't go for it. So that's good. Uh, then there's straight production models. So some people, um, yeah, usually, usually new grads are super afraid of this because, and I was in the same boat. So it's basically when you get a certain percentage and it varies in the industry. As far as I remember, I haven't been in practice uh, personally for over five years. I haven't been paid. To be in practice uh, by the practice owner for over five I'm, years.
0: I'm surprised people paid you to begin with, but you know that's a uh, that is topic. yeah that is a
1: surprise <laughs> as well. Uh, but uh, so uh, usually new grads are afraid of straight production. You always make production. It's uh, you know it's it's a wild. Yes, there's there's so much money that are coming into the vet practices especially these days so you always make it by when you're a new grad and you have loans and you're afraid um
0: so straight production doesn't work that you know right. that's what i was on i what my first job out of college was selling cars um and that was straight production if i didn't sell anything right. i didn't get anything um but the plus side to that the way that they treat car salesmen you know if you you don't sell anything, you don't have to worry about having a job too long. So, if your paycheck is really low, they go ahead and let you find a different job uh, at a different oh, place. So, so, yeah, it's, it's uh, really so it's, nice yeah. of them. <laughs> wow. Uh,
1: so, vets don't like that either. Uh, no. And then there's one that is a base salary with a commission model. So, that's basically when you kind of have a base guaranteed. And then, if your revenue exceeds certain expectations or the standards across the practice, then uh, then anything on top of it is sort of the gravy. And then you generate commission only on that piece. Um, and then there's another one, pro sell. And I'm always confused between the two. And this one, I think, it's a guaranteed monthly. But then, if you shoot through to over the revenue, uh, well, what is the base, then everything is sort of commission-based. It's one or the other. I don't remember which one works which way. Um, and then there's simple salary models, and everybody sort of goes away from those these days, which is a big surprise to me. And this is why I wanted to go over these. So from my per- personal experience, I worked first year in practice. I started on salary. Uh, as any new grad, I was like, look, I have loans, I have... I am rent and stuff like that. So, so I wanted a guaranteed sort of paycheck, but I worked in emergency and I think that most of my classmates, I think when we graduated, it was like 60 K average pay. I was in first year in emergency. I was at 90, I think the first year it was pretty, pretty good. And, um, and the way they did it, they said, look, just start on salary, which is totally fine. And then if you, but we'll show you your sort of production. And then by monitoring that production, you can change any time, which is of course, by the third month, you're like, holy cow, I can just simply take <laughs> more money. Who wouldn't, right? So I started doing that. And that's sort of, you know, it's pro-sell or commission plus base, uh, those two models. And, and I think that uh, in reality, it's, uh, I don't think it's motivating the right reasons. And uh, every time you're in exam room, you know, and you're especially in emergency when someone is dying and you need to do a splenectomy and transfusion and stay overnight and three days in the hospital and it's a hemangiosarcoma that they will die from in four months anyway, your total comes up to $4,000 and you're thinking, what is it 21% of $4,000 instead of how do I treat this pet to live through this? And should I do it at all? Because this isn't four months. It's a four months rental, really for your dog. And it's like four th- it's do you want to rent your dog for another 4 months for $1000 a month? I mean, it's brutal to say in that way. Yeah. But yeah. but it's the reality. So, so I hated it. I hated the commission after a year. I, I just thought I lost my sort of, you know, empathy. Uh I lost um I think the integrity basically as a veterinarian and the goal what I'm doing. Um, so, so that was the only year I worked on commission. So out of 12 years of practice, I, next year I refused and I said, I'll never work on commission again. And that just allowed me, you know, the, one of the things that I didn't like about veterinary medicine is that, um, you, you know, when you're emergency vet, nobody likes you. I mean, nobody wants to see you. Nobody wants to go to the vet at 11 o'clock and pay you, you know, thousands of dollars on the spot, which you didn't expect. You're like, oh, he's vomiting. (laughs) And then at the end of the day, almost every single person either looks at you or says it out loud and says, you're doing this for money. So when you're not on commission, I could easily say, look, I'm here paid by the hour. And if you leave, I'll be paid the same amount of money if you stay. And that allowed me to feel comfortable about direction of my medicine and what I do. Maybe I made a couple bucks less, but I felt like my integrity was intact.
0: That's, I mean, that's a a major point. There's, you know, I've been in sales for my whole career. um, And a friend of mine who worked for IBM for a while and worked for different startups as well, he you know salesman to the core he said i'm coin operated put money in you get something out and that works for a salesperson, and that works for a sales job but it doesn't build a culture of you know joint loyalty you don't feel like you're doing something purely in the best interest of the client you don't feel like you're really working for the goals of the business that way and you're looking at yourself almost as a, a wheel or a cog in the machine that can just say hey plug me in anywhere any business if you put the right amount of money in the in the back you'll be able to get me to to do what you need so it's one of those things that that I think is interesting I've built a lot of different payment structures for myself and for for teams that are always commission based and one of the ones that that was really unique was when I was at a brand new startup in a in the gas delivery space so there was not a business plan or a business model of knowing exactly what the revenues were going to look like and i was the building out the sales team and my founder and i we sat down he said well i want you to be on commission i said okay we can do that that's no problem and he said build out a payment plan so i built out a payment plan Uh, based on the goals, and then I told him, I said he tweaked it, and I said, okay, well, here's what's going to happen. If we tweak this to just drive me on number of new customers, but not revenue, my goal is going to be just to get customers. Then if we tweak it on revenue, my goal is not to get new customers. It's going to be to get every penny out of the existing customers we have. Um, If we do it off number of businesses we sign up, I'm just going to be looking at that. So having a really dedicated payment structure or one that's narrow in focus does change a lot of the performances. And we ended up after six months and 10 payment plans that we went through, um, I ended up saying, let's do a salary because I want the company to succeed. That's my goal is for us to grow the business and grow it in in a main way that keeps me in a job with you guys, grows the business, grows the business model and the plan. We moved to a salary and i think that was a a smart move that really aligned both of our goals and when you're dealing with veterinary medicine i think that's a key thing too
1: totally agree with you and you know the the more we talk to consolidators and then the more we talk about the salary structure and bonus improvements and things like that i i really think we're not motivating the right behavior and from two perspectives one from veterinarian wishing the good outcome for the health uh they cover it up with you know oh it's good for the health to do the extra blood work and this and that i'll do an extra blood work if i think it's necessary but it it's just creates that, you know, negative connotation to our profession. The second side of it is that we're driving the wrong behavior on people that are in the burnout crisis. And that's what we've been talking about. And then that's exactly what happened to me, because I realized, holy cow, I can make that much money in emergency. And then another six days also drive, you know, the relief work. And then so I was very coin operated. And, and, you know, even though you said, you no, know, sales, Role, it's okay. Veterinarians are salespeople. As much as I hated it, we sell services, we sell our skills that we acquire, we sell products, we're salespeople. So that that is correct, but I think that that structure is dangerous in some professions and uh, veterinary medicine is one of them so the more we're talking to to consolidators the more I'm thinking that adapting something like we did in VIS, and you know that we're, we're using this sort of model after we all read uh, rules of no rules uh, and that's a, about Netflix um, sort of um, not HR I wouldn't say it's just the entire culture one of the things that they do they just pay top of the market nobody's celebrating the fact that we hired some specialists cheaper than we would you know because he didn't know because it's a new grad and they don't know how much they should be paid and then let's celebrate that we're paying them 10k less than otherwise hired another person if that's the only way you retain that person then that person will find that next pay next year and leave like this is not a reason to celebrate but uh, attracting talent because of the culture Setting goals not that, that are not monetary, this is what's more important. And in Netflix, they actually encourage employees talking to recruiters. Because what happens a lot, they're being recruited by Google, by Facebook. And when a recruiter calls to someone at Netflix, their management encourages them and says, take, take the call. Find out how much they would pay you, how much they offer, and we'll match that. And they just never have people leave because it, at least for the, you know, for financial reasons, but Netflix is the second company mm-hmm. in the world with the culture that people want to work for. So, and that's exactly the same thing that we did at VIS. And, and I, you know, I like the Maslow's hierarchy, even though it's sort of controversial thing and never been, was proven scientifically, but the way I look at this is that money is only to cover those two first layers of hierarchy, basic needs, safety, food, shelter, all of those things. That's what money for. This is an of course. In the employee-employer relationship, money is the of course, I'm qualified for this, pay me adequately. And I think this is non-negotiable, just need to do that. But setting goals and motivating people to sell more of something that is potentially unnecessary is not motivating the right behavior. So what we do We set goals based on on other things and KPIs, and they don't have to be monetary, but your compensation is not dependent on it. Your continuous employment with us is contingent on hitting those targets and continuous development, continuous improvement. And when you're hitting those targets, you're triggering way more important motivational uh, things like self-esteem, than what's triggered by money and especially because over 75k in north america that's enough for you know just to sustain your normal living everything above that is just you kind of upgrade level by level better car better house but it doesn't really motivate you for more than two months when you up your salary so so i think it's very important for our you know veterinary medicine to look at this and say should we just standardize and say look your gp you should be paid buck fifty. I don't know what they get right now out of school. That's what we read, right? In that article. Um, mm-hmm, maybe it's mm-hmm. two hundred. I don't know. And and the other thing that we just discussed, because everybody's managing labor cost, right? That's sort of that's the three things that consolidators measure. They manage inventory cogs, they manage labor cost, and then they, you know, they improve marketing or they say they improve marketing, which is not well, really necessary. Yeah, I mean, that's
0: that's what a commission plan is does is it basically says, and that was always my thing was being on commission. The company should always be okay with you selling as much as possible or doing an additional deal or anything or or treating another patient because you're just getting a slice of that pie. So it just helps them grow. So managing those labor costs is probably where those um, maybe a lower base salary with the commission model or the pro sale comes into play for a lot of people. It's a very easy fix to do that. I think that uh, if you
1: standardize the, the pay, it will really drive, I think, a proper behavior. But then everybody says that you know, labor should be docs and the, and the staff should be what, 40% I think is sort of industry standard some, that people are striving towards. Well, what if, you're, what if your revenue is incredible? Why? Why does it have to be for who decided that this has to be 40%? And then our industry right now, the pay is going through the roof. There's too many clients out there. Well, what if we'll have happier vets that have higher capacity that brings more revenue than the labor percentage? Maybe you don't want it that high or maybe you want it higher because your revenue is so big and so you don't care uh, really that it's, you know, 45 or whatever it is. So I think that we really need to think about maintaining the happy workforce but not manage that percentage. And of course you have to manage your P&L, but I think that there's more to look at it and especially with a situation where 45% of clinics are looking for 1.8 vet right now and it's half a million dollars loss if you lose a veterinarian, then celebrate it that you found someone 10K cheaper and then lose that person and lose half a million dollars. And is it worth celebration? I don't think so.
0: So, to be the devil's advocate, so there's probably a lot of people that are listening that do have their teams and their companies set up on the pro Sal model is is the most um, most popular or one of the most populars out out there. You're gonna pay, you know in in the structure that you're discussing, you pay a top of the top of the industry salary give people a really good way to earn a living and then a highly motivating internal structure within the business, a cultural that changes so that people are focused on it. What's to keep the carrot dangling or or what's to get the the people that are money motivated to to stay at that company as well? If someone says, hey, there's always, you know, there's always the people that can look at commission and say, but I can earn unlimited money or I can go somewhere and learn earn you know every single penny under the sun what's the what's the way that you think beyond just money that you can keep those people happy and staying within the company
1: well i i think that some consolidators are starting to do this um is providing sort of some extra pay to associates that they're acquiring hospitals from well, they're acquiring from the owner, but there's associates that were promised something and then providing them with the compensation. I don't think that anybody is doing equity to, well, some doing to associates maybe, but not even further than that. But, you know, if you think about all the associates, about the ER docs, which are the hardest to find these days, when you think about technicians? There's scarcity of those these days and they don't want to work longer than 35 years old because you can't sustain a family on, you know, Thirty-five, thirty k a year. So I think that there's a place for for an organization to wrap with a with a sort of share all. And uh, you know, there's WestJet in Canada. Every employee is a shareholder. You know, they you you get hired and you get some sort of option, so you actually earn more. But back to your question, you know, what if people are a little bit more uh, coin operated, as you call it? Mm-hmm. I think that we're a pretty well selected group of people through. 16 years of education and the goals that we set out to become a veterinarian, to actually not have those goals. Uh, I think that most veterinarians have the goals of treating patients. If someone wants to become more entrepreneurial, buy a practice. Buy a practice, build a practice. You know, it's an entrepreneurial path. You can't really, if you're that entrepreneurial, then you you can't work for someone. You should probably like me. I did not want to work for someone after ten years in the field. I was like, look, I just want to start building things myself. I want to, you know, be innovative. And that's probably your path. So it might be not within the organization where you get salary, but I just think that motivating people with the uh, with the commission in medicine is just wrong.
0: I think that's a that's a great point and, and a really defendable or defensible situation. <laughs> I, I place sounded to be defensible in because,
1: but but I was defending
0: Yeah, I don't think that's a word. I don't know what the right word is. But yeah, I think that's a that's a place where it's very easy to be able to to stand your ground on because that does make sense. No one no one wants to be you know, when you go to the veterinarian or when you go to your you know, human health doctor, or when you go to somewhere where you're visiting a specialist and you're in their field, um, heck, even if it's going the plumber shows up to your house. You don't want to feel like you're trapped, and that that person is holding all the cards and can say, "Yep, Fluffy needs another, you know, six thousand dollars worth of uh, of tests done and things like that." You want that person to be doing what makes the most sense, and and knowing that the salary model and their compensation model aligns with taking care of the patient the best is is a really nice way to do that. Um, Ivan, I think, yeah, I think that's that's very helpful. I think there's a lot of other great points that we definitely hit on in our blog post, which people should definitely look at. Um, Debbie Hill helped us write that blog post that our that our team put together. So many thanks to her as well for uh getting some some great insights into the veterinary field. Um, what else should we be looking at? What other things we talked about the Netflix culture book, uh rules of no rules what else should people look at when they're trying to to dive deeper into this
1: I just want to bring back this whole uh, Maslow's I, I kind of started talking about what I want to build it in your sort of uh, in your in your head <laughs> the the whole pyramid right the first one is shelter and safety um and basic needs so those are the first two steps I think that's motivated by uh, not motivated covered by money and if you're not comfortable how you're covered if you can't afford certain insurance certain car certain house that means that you as an individual need to progress within your career path, education, skill set to grow a little further. Uh, so that's sort of the basic stuff. Then the next layer uh, in Maslow's hierarchy is a uh, sense of belonging and love. And people get that usually from family, from friends, from their close circle, but you can create that at work and you can create the sense of belonging at work. And that's exactly what culture does culture and purpose. And if the organization doesn't have that, it doesn't matter how much money you throw at them, they're not going to have sense of belonging to the organization that they work for. And then the next level is esteem. And that is what is achieved by hitting certain goals that don't have to be connected with money. If my shelter, my safety, and other things that I establish myself as a standard belong uh, or are attainable through the goals that are set in the organization, that's driven by fear, not motivation. So if I decouple those, and if I, if I have the goal set out to just drive the esteem and the dopamine, when I achieve the goal and I'm celebrating with the manager or with the team that we had certain targets, not necessarily because we're getting a bonus. Yes. You can create a little competition among the vets in the organization. If you're a consolidator and buy them a vacation or something like that. But, uh, but don't connect the goals with the money. And then only when you go through those three steps, money enough, then uh, the tribe or the, the sense of belonging, and then the goals, then people will be at the top of their self-actualization, which is at the top of the pyramid. So I just wanted to kind of outline that. I truly believe in that. And that's how we manage VIS.
0: That's great. Uh, another great book that, that falls in line with that is uh, Predictably Irrational. By Dan Ariely which actually hits on that same thing by putting a dollar sign in front of those motivating factors having a compensation attached to it it actually shows a a level of demotivation for people it it looks like they say well just give me the dollars for it but creating something around culture is is definitely a key thing so Ivan as always thank you so much uh, next week we've got a guest coming back and joining us so that'll be another fun one but Uh, Look forward to chatting with you again soon. Likewise. Thanks, Ryan. Thank you so much for listening to Consolidate That. If you want to hear our new episodes, please find us on any podcast platform. Also, you can learn more about us on our website at vetintegrations.com.